Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Oh man, have you heard it said, well I know you've heard it said, they don't make things like they used to, right? You, you, something breaks down or it's really flimsy and really light, and what do you say to yourself? They don't make things like they used to. I mean, think about it. I mean, some of you guys know this. The cars, I mean, they were a tank. They were literally like a tank. Fender benders, it didn't matter. Nothing was going to happen. The difference is, is you turned into a rocket, and you, I mean, you were, the, you were the, really the, the casualty inside of it. But cars were made for you to fix, I mean, you, you could just, I mean, really, you didn't have to have nearly as much skill as you do today. I mean, parts were easy to get to. You could lean across, and you could fix it because they, the, the mechanics, the designers, the engineers, they were designing vehicles for people to fix. That's why you can go to Cuba, and those cars are still on the road. It's like a whole, you know, generation frozen time, and they just keep fixing them. They just keep putting new engines in them and different things, and they're still running because they don't make things like they used to. You know, I mean, if you move somebody, I mean, 20, 30, 40 years ago, I mean, you better have a back brace on because everything was real. Have you ever lift, like, somebody's furniture and you're like, that's not Ikea? (laughs) I mean, when you're moving somebody that bought the real stuff, you're like... I mean, it's hard, you know, get the crane, get, get somebody, because we cannot do this alone because they don't make things like they used to. And uh, now we, we live in a, in a replacement culture. It's uh, easier and sometimes just cheaper to buy something new and replace it than it is to go and actually try and figure out how, how to fix it. My... Uh, I, a story with this is just, it's still so funny to me. Um, my grandpa showed up at my, my house um, in, in North Dakota, and he, he shows up with this dehumidifier. You know, it was like a yellow, ugly thing. Or, I'm sorry, it was a humidifier. So, you know, put moisture and put it into the air, and it was in my parents' room. Well, I shouldn't say that yet. My grandpa found it in the dumpster. Okay, my, my, my he, in that time, you would fix things. And, and so he saw, I don't know how he saw it, I don't know where my dad tried to sneak it and throw it away, but my grandpa in our town found this humidifier, and he shows up at my dad's house, and he goes, hey, do you guys need a humidifier? And my dad's like, ah, well, why are you asking? And he said, well, somebody threw this perfectly good humidifier away. All I did was I took it apart, I cleaned the filters, I just did a couple things, and look at it. It's running perfectly, and my dad had so much shame, and he's like, yeah, I guess I need, I need a humidifier, <laughs> and so here he goes, and, and there, here is my grandpa who, you fix things. You don't just throw things away. You fix them, and then you go find out who needs a humidifier. I don't know how many other doors it went to, but man, the story was sure good that it was my dad's that he threw away, and here we are with a used new humidifier. 
And I, I think of, you know, gifts or, or things that were made, made to last. And um, we, we don't have a whole lot of things from our marriage. I mean, we, we were so young. We didn't know what we were doing. We were young and dumb. And, and so, we, I mean, our photographer, I just had a friend who was like, hey, you want to take some pictures? So, like, they're blurry. We've got red eyes in our, I mean, it's, it's bad, you know. And so if you see me post things on Facebook, I take pictures of pictures. <laughs> yeah, never mind. But anyway, um, my friend Doug from high school, um, he, his father-in-law owned a woodworking business, and he started learning how to put things together without using nails. And, and, and this was made well. It's like one of the, like, at one point, I'm like, Jana, we're not really using it. Can I throw it away? And she's like, it's like the only thing we have from our wedding. Can we keep something? And I'm like, oh, okay. And really, when I was looking at it, the only problems with it are things that, the damage that trying to raise kids causes, you know? I mean, there's some chunks out from gashes. I had to, I have like four screw holes here because my kids were hurting themselves and getting their fingers stuck, and you know that age. And so I literally screwed the top on. I had to change the hinges because the hinges weren't, weren't making it last, but the structure, I mean, look at it, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, you know, and, and I, it's just something that was made well. And um, I, I think that, you know, there, there are times when we, we look at things that maybe things that don't hold up. And one, one thing is, is, you know, it, if you're listening online, I've got two pieces of wood, and one is your regular, this is a two-by-six, and this is just a regular piece of wood, right? You'd use this for construction in your home, for, for projects, but this piece of wood cannot be used outside. If you use this outside, it is going to rot, you're going to have all sorts of problems, and it is not going to hold up. Do I have any construction people in here that will nod their heads with me and say, this will not survive unless it's what? Treated. So this year I <clears throat> tried to put together a little bit of a garden and uh, we got a, somebody out to help till because the ground was, it was brand new. We added some soil and we put this timber. Now I had to make sure that we had good treated timber to go around and to kind of create just a nice little barrier around to keep some of the smaller rodents out. And this, I mean, it's not high quality. It's one of the cheaper things, but it's treated. And so it is going to be able to withstand a number of our winters without rotting, without causing much of a problem. But it's going to work because it's been treated. Now, the thing is, is a lot of times... Well, I mean, honestly, when, when I started, um, my, we were in our first house, and the basement was unfinished, so it was part of, okay, we're going to build some equity. <clears throat> I didn't know what I was doing. My dad didn't do, do construction. I didn't. And so I just thought, I'm going to start building walls. And so, you know, it, if you were trying to find a stud, you better have had a stud finder. That's all I'm saying. But the first, when I, I'm in the basement, in that bottom foundation piece, I put regular wood, right? And I, I had got the little nail gun you hit, and it goes right through the concrete, and it puts it right to, well, guess what happened when I had the city inspector come on out? Oh, yeah, you can't use that. It's not treated wood. 
Because if water comes into the basement, that wood is not going to last. It's not going to work. And so we had to get a saza, cut out all the bottom, <clears throat> redo all this stuff because I did not know what I was doing, and it never would have lasted. Now, here we've got regular wood. We've got green-treated wood. What does that have to do with us today? <clears throat> and so think of it this way. Sometimes we go, dear Lord, who knows all things, help me to guess the right multiple choice answers to this test today. At least 70% of them right, not too many. But I'm not, I'm not, you know, asking too much. Maybe 70% because I chose to play video games and watch Netflix over studying today. Dear Lord. I'm not looking at anybody. <laughs> Or maybe we sound like this, dearest heavenly father who owns a cattle on a thousand hills, there was a sale and I bought more than my budget allowed. Please allow someone to mistakenly deposit $100,000 in my account and that they're too rich to know that it was gone and missing. Amen. If you read the news, you know that just happened. <laughs> or can you put that slide up for me? Dearest... Most mighty, powerful, and gracious Lord, who turned water into wine, please turn this pizza, egg, french fry, burger, bacon, mayonnaise, cheese, and bless it to my body. <laughs> Nobody has ever done that before, have you? How often do we ask God to rescue us from something because we didn't want to put in the proper work, the, found, the right foundation into it, the time that doing it right would have taken? We weren't able to count the cost of it. Treated wood is more expensive. Trying to learn the right way to put something together takes time, but we all know that it lasts much longer. We have been talking about a time of preparation with understanding that one step leads to another, and really the goal behind this is, is that when we are able to put in new disciplines, when we are able to have the right footing, that we are not just rushing to making a decision of following Christ or putting in good practices in prayer. We're actually thinking about it and saying, what are decisions that we can make that are going to last a lifetime? And that when we take that step, when we figure it out, when we kind of just kind of make those decisions, we make that step and the momentum is able to help us to keep moving. And that is what we've been talking about. And this is where I've been trying to lead us to as a church. Because I don't want us to get into December. And it's that time of year. And we're like, all right, Lord, I feel like I need to get my stuff together. I need to worship you. And I need to turn the music on and just have a time. Because this is the time we celebrate your birth. And then the new year comes. And then you're like, oh, I have to come up with some kind of a plan. And some kind of a goal. Because I want to get better. And then it's the same thing every single time. And here we are in September. And I'm saying, let's do it now. But let's not do a rush job. And let's actually think about it. Talk to somebody around you. What are you doing now? Maybe you've got this great thing in place and you just need to keep going with it. Put your plan in place and work it. But I'm, I'm really trying to get us because I just think, what could we look like as a church 
if we were intentional about our relationship with Christ? What could the Lord do with a group of people that are seeking his face? And, and me, myself, I have been in the last few weeks, just as, as I've been talking to you about this, I've been making changes in, in my life. I had my system of everything, something that I did every single morning. And now I've been leaving my iPad. I've been leaving my phone. I've been leaving everything on the table in the other room. I'm going out, and I am just praying. I, I made a list of people and of things in our church and you and and things that I pray for in the morning, and I sit there. Now, of course, there's disruptions. Of course, we have kids. Of course, things happen. I get it. The Lord gets it. This is not any kind of shame or pushing on anybody. This is saying, hey, God sent Jesus to die for us. Jesus wants a relationship with us, and I think that we need to be intentional about pursuing him. We have a slide here for Psalms 127.1. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my life uh, building my own existence, my own legacy, my own relationships, my education, my wealth, my dreams, my fill-in-the-blank for what yours is. And at the end, look at God and say, oh, I need you to bless my stuff. Just like I talked about a little bit earlier. Lord, bless our this and bless this decision and bless this. Instead, going to him first because unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Luke 6, starting at verse 46, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? For... As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And here he says what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck the house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Now, I think most of us, if we're familiar with this story, we've probably read it in Matthew 7, 24 through 27. And this is where we get the song. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then we repeat it, and it's so good, and it's now stuck in your head for the rest of the day. And then it says, and the rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood firm. That's right. And, and you, you've got the actions, right? How, is that how it goes? And then the rains come down, right? And the floods come up, and you do all those. Anybody remember those? Yes. See, you're really a good Christian. And, but then we get to the foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rains came down, and the floods came up. Rain, I'll do what I'm trying to down, and the floods came up. Splat! And the, yes, the, that was so fun. The kids loved, and the house went splat, right? A big clap, everybody, with power and gusto. Now, this is the same story 
in Luke and in Matthew, and it's the same parable. I think the important question to ask is, why did, did Jesus include this in his parable? Why, why was it important? And I think that's a, a I, I ask myself when I read Scripture, why is this here? Why does God want us to know this? For what reason? And, you know, just, this is just a side note. Uh, I think it's really important for us to remember is that um, Dr. Amy Anderson is a professor at North Central, and, and I got to take her for Greek. She is a, a renowned New Testament scholar. Just She's an, written some books. She's just absolutely incredible. And I remember her saying in a class once, she said, you know, I don't like red-lettered Bibles. Now, I read, I have a red-lettered Bible. I've got a couple different, you know, ones. But she said, I don't like it because what happens when people read it, they start reading their Bible and they come to the red letters and they think, okay, now I really have to pay attention. And she said, either the whole Bible is sacred and from the Lord or it's not. And so what happens is, and, and I've done this, and when she said it, I was like, oh, I, I've totally done that where all of a sudden now, oh, now I should really listen to the Bible. No, it is the Word of God speaking to us. And so that's just a little side note. It doesn't have a whole lot to do with it, but it's important, I think. So this portion that we're reading today is part of a larger sermon of, of Jesus. Now, it is, when, if you have a red-lettered Bible, when you open up to Matthew 5, you're going to see the most continuous red letters or words from Jesus in a row. It is his Sermon on the Mount. This is so many pieces of Christ's teaching that we teach today that, that even parts of the world has integrated into their lives and they don't even know that it came from Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And so here we have, and so could we go to um, the, the slide here where it's just got the verse, um, why do you call me Lord, Lord? So here, I've already read this. We read this together. Um, I, I put it up here again. So why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not do what I say. And so here we've got three things that Jesus outlines right away. He says, as for everyone who comes to me, one, and what? Hears my words, number two, and then what? Puts them into practice. So here Jesus gives us three pieces. And he does this by drawing an illustration between two people and two houses. So could you put up that slide for that two people and two houses for me? So the two people that are in contrast of one another is a wise person and a foolish person, okay? So here we have two homes, we have two people. And just from this image here, this is, this is really interesting because the artist and whoever created it was very intentional about a number of things. So you can see the one in Luke 6, it says... The, first, the wise man built down to the rock. You see that? So it's built down to the rock. Now, if you look on the far one, you can tell the design is not very good. You've got steps that go near a door, and you've got a door near a ledge. If you look over on that other one, the, ledge, the door is away from, you know, wherever. There, there's just different design things. Now, if you look on the left, the wise person's house, they're still working. It's not put together yet. When you look over... They're enjoying their home. They're, they're already enjoying it. Now, what do these people have in common? Well, Jesus doesn't go through and break out every piece of it, but here are a few things that, that we can tell that they have in common. First of all, 
They wanted to live in the same region, the same city. They wanted to have the same view, the same countryside, the same city, wherever that you're, you kind of want to put this in, in your own head. They have the same resources available. Jesus doesn't say, well, one is rich and one is poor, so the rich person could afford a good house on its foundation. It doesn't say that at all. We have two people and we have two houses. They both wanted to build a home. What does a home bring? Well, a home can bring stability. It can, it can bring maybe a, a family or, or resources. It, it can bring safety to your life. So right now, we're looking at similarities between the wise person and the fool. And there's actually a lot of similarities that, that these two people have. Now, what is key for us to remember is that one house is not treated more fairly than the other. The rains came down and the floods came up to both homes. One did not earn a curse. There was not a special blessing. These are people that had the exact same circumstances of life. And Jesus wanted to make sure that we knew that. In other words, one used treated lumber and one didn't. One could survive a Minnesota weather, or the Minnesota weather and one couldn't. So Jesus tells us that there is a test of life and one house will make it and the other will not. And the question is, why not? Why not? We are told in Luke that the wise person dug down deep and built their structure on the rock. So the wise person, in contrast, knew that it would cost more. They knew that it would take longer. They knew that it wouldn't all be fun. They knew that just maybe family members would be going, hey, look, why are they done? We got the same plan from the same builder. Why are they done? Look at, they're enjoying it. They're on their rooftop pointing at things. And we're here. Mom, Dad, you're making me work. This is terrible. Now, um, I, I took a little piece from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones here, who's just a, a tremendous, <clears throat> tremendous man of God who's, who's just very well known and, and is great. And, and he talked about the foolish person, so I'm going to quote him because he says it way better than I ever could. Uh, Jones says, he talks about the fool. He, he says, I must have a house at once. There is no time for foundations. Jones just he lifts off the attributes then of the fool. He says, the fool does not like rules and regulations or instructions about the construction of a home. The fool is not interested in the seriousness of what it takes to build a home. The fool is impatient. The fool is, doesn't regard good teaching and just wants to get on with it. The fool doesn't need to learn from anybody because they are satisfied with their own opinions. Anybody ever known somebody who is satisfied with their own opinions and nobody else's? The fool doesn't learn from anybody. That's end quote. Jesus talks about two people and two houses so that we ourselves do not rush into a life without him at our core, at our foundation. He is 
the rock, a life of spiritual growth. We do not follow our own foolish ways that many have walked before. Jesus looks at us, and he's saying as he's preaching this of the fool and of the wise person, and he's looking and he's saying, trust me. It's going to take longer. It's going to be harder. There's going to be times you don't want to do it. And I'm just saying, trust me. Come to me. I said this quote last week of Rick Warren's. It is possible to grow old and not grow up. It is possible for us to sit in church. And I, I had a, um, it was one of my first pastors that uh, he just went on to be with the Lord about three weeks ago. And I remember sitting in, in church, and he was a, a Vietnam vet, black belt, kind of tough guy. And I remember him saying, just because you go into your garage doesn't make you a car. Just like coming into church today doesn't make you a Christian. And I just remember as a kid going, I understand that. I understand that. And, and what Jesus is saying to us is, hey, don't rush things. I've met so many people that once they get saved, they're like running, 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 and there's got to be more, there's got to be more, there's got to be more, and that's great. You know, you want that hunger, you want that exuberance of, of following Christ, but there's also, what does it look like when real life happens? What, what does real life look like to us on the day-to-day of going to work and making food and doing laundry and and getting bills and wondering how you're going to make things work and, oh, you've got this problem at, at work or this problem with this person or a family issue. How, how do you make this work? And let me tell you, friends, following Christ is not a quick fix. Following Christ, he's saying, it takes work, it takes time, and it will pay off. It will pay off. Jesus uses another example in Matthew 5, 45, where he talks about there's two gates. So here we've got two homes, we've got two people. Jesus says there's two gates. There's a narrow gate and there's a broad gate. And he said that people go for the easy. They go for the quick fix. They go for the broad gate. And, and he says, but there is a, a narrow gate. And he says, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them and they follow me. Matthew 5:45 says for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Both homes, similar circumstances, all face issues. But one is built on the rock. So let's go back and let's look at those three things that Jesus said. One, come to me. Jesus is clearly articulating what happens when we go to him. When we follow God, we know and we listen to his voice, and he knows us. This, this is like, I mean, you think about that the God of the universe hears you. He understands you. He loves you. And he is asking you to come to him. When you follow Jesus, you are not obscure. You're not unknown. 
You matter. You, yourself, you are important. You are loved. You're not, you're not coming as, as just a nothing, as, as a nobody. Jesus died for you. Then it goes to hear my words. At least 12 different times in Scripture, it says, he or she who has ears to hear, let them hear. Are you listening? Can, can, you, can you hear the words of my voice? I am crying out. I'm calling out to you. Can you hear me? And it says my sheep know his voice. So sheep, I'm asking you right now, do you know the voice of God? When he's calling to you, can you recognize his voice as he is speaking, as he is calling out to you? Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and, and you realize they're just nodding their head or they're just gone? And if you're like me, you just start saying really ridiculous things until they go, what? I love doing that to my wife. It's great. It's great. <laughs> well, she does it to me too, you know? I mean, it goes both ways, right? I mean, I, I've, I do that all the time. Or, or it's like, you know, they do something and you're like, I already told you I did that. Weren't you listening? And I, I think that layman's terms of what, what Scripture is saying, it's, hey, you, can you hear me? Pay attention. Hey, look at me. Pay attention. I'm calling out to you. It goes from hearing, though, to understanding. I mean, I have heard a lot of things, but I haven't really understood. Because we cannot go to the next step without understanding what the Lord's trying to do. We can hear it, but what does it actually mean? Because that is when it comes to putting them into practice. You cannot put something into practice I mean, you think about like a science class, a biology class or, or something. They, a lot of times, especially when you're in your university, they're four credit classes. Three credits for the class and one credit for what? The lab. What's the lab for? This is saying, okay, I've taught you something. Now you're taking the material, and now let me see if you understand it enough to put it into practice. And, and what we are saying here is we need to start putting these things into practice. Friends, we have to start putting, what well, we are coming here and lifting up the Lord, we have to start putting our prayer and our time with the Lord and the time with each other and our time of, of growing with one another into practice. Think of your life outside of here as a lab, 167 hours of a lab in a week. Putting them into practice. So this is where we are right now. A time to put spiritual disciplines into use. Have you been encouraging one another? Have you been speaking life into other people's lives? Your foundation, your preparation, your intentionality matters. It is literally building your home your spiritual tent that the Lord has given you on the foundation of Christ. 
Three directives from Jesus. Come to me. Hear what I'm telling you. Put them into practice. If the worship team would please come up here. We're going to just take some time and ask the Lord and say, Lord, I want to make sure that I'm not a fool. I don't want to rush into things. I want to make sure that my foundation is solid, that my foundation is built on you, that, that I'm not just doing my own thing and asking you to bless something that doesn't, never had you involved in the, in the first place. We are calling out to God and we are saying, Heavenly Father, will you help me to prepare this foundation so I can accomplish the things that you have for me? And I, I truly believe that as we begin to add to our foundation, the Lord is going to start adding to you. Because a foundation can only, I mean, a weak foundation just can't hold the weight of a structure. And as you are on the rock, the Lord will continue to add to you. And I, I really believe that. I believe that the more that you start seeking after the Lord, the more that you continue to pursue him, he is going to be changing your life and adding to you like you had no idea that he would or that he even could. Would you please stand? Spiritual growth does not happen by accident. And so before we leave today, the worship team's going to lead us right now. I just want you to take a minute and start asking the Lord, Lord, do I need to make some changes? Lord, is there, do I need to do something, Lord? that you can begin to work in my life. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.